feel good. <laughs> I'm scared. It's a scary time, Kate. It's a scary time. And I can't get, I can't get one day more, another day, another destiny uh, out of my head. <laughs> that is a tough one. That's a tough one. Which you These now... men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time. Sorry. Should I leave while you finish this? <laughs> <laughs> we need to go and you just do the whole second act and then. <laughs> and then we can begin. And then we can begin. <laughs> I guess that's the end of the first act, isn't it? I don't know. I screwed up because there's the one at the end and then there's just the one. Oh, at the beginning. yeah, yeah. And I conflated the two. Oh, yeah. It's easy to do. I'm making lots of mistakes. Lots of so speaking of mistakes. Speaking of mistakes. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah. Being made. And I say that without judgment. I say that with uh, bemused admiration for the makers of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the interview from Beaches, the movie Beaches, and Bette Midler has the most awkward interview of her life, and she says, Cece Bloom feels things deeply. Yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you remembered it. That's all. <laughs> That's all. Dude, there's that, there's that Margaret Cho bit where she's like in uh, some somewhere in the UK, I think, uh, and... Uh, that she comes across a bar called CC Bloom's Bar and Grill. <laughs> oh, God. She's like, goes like, that is the gayest bar <laughs> that has ever existed. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I think she says that line. CC <laughs> Bloom feels things deeply. So, Ryan, people can get can get touched up can get massaged by you now. Oh, yeah. I was like, what do you mean? I'm sitting on a website. So if you're in the Boston area, uh, go to ryanyoga.com slash bodywork and book yourself a session. You have to call. I, I have found this out the hard way, but you have to call the massage school. The number's on here. And uh, request Ryan. But uh, this is wonderful. Wonderful news for the general public. <laughs> Thanks for that plug. <laughs> You're how welcome. Much, how much do I owe you? <laughs> no, but it is it is good news. Yeah, no, it is good news. It's good to get started. It's it's hard to conceive of the sheer number of hours that one needs to put in to finish one's license, but um, you know, I'm making it through. Though, like twenty plus hours a week extra on top of teaching and running the studio is no small feat um, no it's really not and yet i was up at like 3 a.m wide awake this morning like ready to go <laughs> tell me about the coffee consumption that made that possible <laughs> i didn't it, there was very little coffee consumption yesterday too it's very confusing what huh. i know it's very very confusing I'm sure that someone knows something about a moon or a a, a retrograde or, or yeah something in someone's house and <laughs> something 
in someone's house. Something rising in someone's house. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, that could explain all of the things, but I do not know of such things. So, um, um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. It was just a it was just a strange experience, um, and. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, one thing that's really fascinating is the sheer supremacy in the massage world of one Tom Myers and his often uh, remarked on anatomy trains, um, which are not by any means like wrong or bad or uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting stuff i suppose but like everything is like everyone's like still very excited about it (laughs) and i'm just like yeah i feel like there are other points of view that are worth observing especially since like it's not a map that i can necessarily track with i haven't other maps that i track with better and maybe one day I will be interested in that. But I, I, I feel like we could learn the material without having it to be like so married to that, um, that point of view. <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, I, I get stuck on the title, Anatomy Trains. Oh, yeah? It feels like an incomplete thought. Or sure. is it supposed to be trains like locomotive? Oh, This is a very oh, good I... question. <laughs> oh, you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, like trains of thought, anatomy trains of thought, or anatomy trains. Like, it's short and cutesy. Cutesy. Which is kitschy and cute for training, anatomy training. Trains, hashtag. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's... it's um, um it's plugging along and um hopefully i'll make it through without a complete and total burnout um uh but i would say the burnout doesn't come from actually doing the work the burnout comes just from the fact that it's like late night classes like studying physiology until 11 o'clock at night two nights out of the week is not um (laughs) not high on my priority list no 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 but i bet i mean it this has got to be good for your brain you know waking up that quadrant again not that it was ever dormant but i was gonna say (laughs) not sure how dormant it was but you know it's interesting to like the way that the way that one studies anatomy from the perspective of having a human being on a massage table as being the primary modality of work versus being on you know being on a yoga mat you know it's interesting to parse out the differences there um uh 
And to put that yeah. into context with what what I already what I already have learned from other other sources in regards to anatomy and um, but it is like it is also interesting there is like a very very wide variety of experience levels in the room with this material so it it's it's interesting I just sort of like sit back and like take it all in and try to be quiet <laughs> don't ask questions <laughs> so I'm like if you work at Massage Envy I for many am somebody's worst nightmare because I'm like oh oh what muscle is that oh what do you think that is and um I get the sense that most people um most therapists that are working with me are like is she testing me <laughs> and the answer is no I'm not I just like I, I think massage therapists are the shit the, they're the best the stuff they have to memorize and the work they do um, but I always love it I, lo I, I think getting a massage therapist's opinion or take on things happening in your body is so valuable I'm always asking questions and it feels like maybe it's outside the scope of practice but i want to hear their perspective yeah well their perspective i mean that certainly falls within the scope of practice of course there are like diagnostic things that are not going to be within the scope of practice but like their experience of feeling your body is certainly within within their scope as it were um, um, and speaking of scope of practice, mm. yoga alliance. Oh, I know. I, I brought it up, and now I'm regretting bringing it up. <laughs> I'll talk about it. No, we have to talk about it. Wait, absolutely. Um, that was a. a, a I don't know the adjective to describe the emotional roller coaster that I experienced reading the comments on Jay's blog. This is very complex. Jay, you touched a couple nerves there. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes if you want to pause right now and read. Yeah, go, go right read ahead. the blog. Go read the blog and then read the comments. The comments are, are rich. They are indeed. And wow. um, angry. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of... Obviously, it's difficult to read folks' tone in text sometimes, but... Um, maybe like stepping out away from those specific comments. I think I think it's becoming clear that uh, um, or rather it's probably always been clear and some of us were just hoping that some magical human would, would swoop into the organization and make everything better 
Um, uh, and um, that's just not going to happen. And I think, um, which honestly is something that I repeated time and time again when I was part of that working group, is our jobs as yoga teachers um, is to teach what we feel is valuable. And that no matter what the yoga lion says, we still have to teach what we feel is valuable. And I'm going to be very curious to like see what comes of that standards review. But either way, um, I just let my, um, uh, because I've been thinking about this a lot, not necessarily Yoga Alliance particularly, but the structure that Yoga Alliance has set up, not even having to do with the registry, actually, just having to do with the stratification of trainings. Um, it's like, it's antithetical to how one might study pretty much in any other field. Um, so what I mean by that is, well, let me back up. So that is by means of saying that, um, you know, over the past month when I've kept getting these reminder emails about you have to re up your registration for yourself, you have to re up your registration for your quote unquote school. I've been Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. I'm just sort of letting them fly by. And then I... Finally, it was just like when I got the final one being like, you have to do it today. And then the subsequent ones today being like, just kidding. Like, you can still do it if you want to. Um, I'm not renewing either. Um, uh, Which is not, I don't say that with some sort of like, I'm ahead of the curve by any means. Um, to me, it was important to keep it because when certain folks had registered for trainings with me, they did it, you know, part of that agreement was that it was Yoga Alliance uh, registered, you know, um, and uh, now that I have a training winding down and I'm going to sort of tweak it for its next iteration, uh, I'm just not, I'm not interested in, in following that that standard. Um, uh, I'm interested in following my own standard. And the truth of the matter is, is I, I don't have whatever like 200 and some odd bucks it would have cost me to re-up. Like I just don't have that money lying around. Um, and when I really thought about like, why, why am I, why am I fucking paying that? Like it's not like my body, which cost me like something like $2,700 a year. Um, but they've got everyone kind of like by the balls, like in terms of running a yoga studio, like in theory, I don't yoga Alliance doesn't really have that grip. They, they pretend to have that grip, but they don't actually have it. Um, and, uh, I, I'm just, I've been at this for a little over a decade now. <laughs> I don't need someone to like justify my what, what I think is valuable to teach to folks, um, because like most of the teachers that I study from aren't Yoga Alliance registered. Like, they could give a 
flying fuck about that. Um, and so it's just like, you know what? Let's just cut the cord. Um, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Um, did I miss something in there? I feel like I started saying something and didn't finish. Well, here's a question. Did you, when did you feel that way? It, and how does it relate with the fact that you were one of the, uh, as described by many, the prominent uh, voices in the yoga community that was asked to be on a panel? How did that inform your feelings towards things? Uh, I, I thought the, the folks that were present in the panel were really like genuine humans um, there were a lot of things that were brought up, um, some of which I agreed with and some of which I didn't agree with. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I, I thought, um, uh, that that was a fine process. I sort of questioned how they split up the groups and, and how they were going to, and still how they're going to sort of put that information out and in public um, and what final decisions they're going to choose to make. Uh, uh, but um, I realized that the thing that was kind of rubbing me the wrong way from the beginning um, is there th this like stratification of of trainings by hours is not how I study and not how I want to advocate for other folks to study. So in other words, you did a 200 hour training at Back Bay Yoga. I think so. Yes, I know so. <laughs> I was in the room. <laughs> okay, I was. Um, now, the general attitude out there is once you've done a 200-hour training, like you don't want to put yourself in the room necessarily in another 200-hour training once you're already out there teaching. But if you were to go to a... 300 hour training with a different teacher like a quote-unquote advanced training to get you to that 500 you're still probably going to need to get up to speed with the context in which that that teacher or that school or that lineage um if we even want to use that word um how they understand yoga like the context will still have to be reset um and I would much rather have the situation where, you know, you, okay, so you did your initial training. Let's like take the hours component out of it, which really just teaches you how to, you know, teach breathing and moving classes to a group, you know, um, end of story. And then... You know, that is different from going and quote unquote studying yoga with a teacher. It might happen within the context of the same program, but it doesn't necessarily need to. 
Um, and then if you decide that you want to go learn from someone else, then you go do another training with someone else. And then you go do another training with someone else. And then you do another training with someone else. It's like so many other professions have some form of initial training, which I still don't think should be set by Yoga Alliance, but, you know, could totally be set by various sort of regional or organizations um, or multiple national organizations, depending on what standard you want to your curriculum more aligns with. Um, uh, so you have that initial training and then people are just going and, and learning from the folks that they're influenced by. And it's just understood, um, not enforced, but understood that like, there's way more study to do. Um, cause I don't see, I don't see people, um, I feel like it cuts off this opportunity to learn more because everything has to be within the context of a training or quote unquote continuing education. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like we just need a whole different context. And so as much as I would love to say that, like, I just put together a curriculum that I think is valuable. And if it happens to align with Yoga Alliance, then, you know, great. It aligns with Yoga Alliance or it goes above and beyond Yoga Alliance. That still is, is, is not what I want to be advocating for. I want to advocate that people find a teacher that they resonate with um, and study with them. And, and if there's some mechanism by which that teacher feels uh, they can train people to teach a class, then they should train people to teach class. Um, uh, I'm not necessarily like advocating for going all the way back to the days of like the teacher being sick and pointing to you and being like, you're going to teach class today. I'm going to go home. <laughs> and that was your like, you know, initiation into teaching like i'm not saying mm -hmm. that that's necessarily that yielded some pretty positive results for folks but i'm not saying we need to go back to that per se but we could go back to something much more um uh much um relational Which would just, you know, cut the industry side of things off at the knees. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to pay however much I Let was it go per year. I just... It... And, and Did it you take it be... off your website? Uh, I don't think it was ever on my website. I have I to guess check. My... It's like, it's... I think that's what... It's interesting. It's like everybody that I've spoken to agrees that yoga alliances hog swaddle but everybody still grips to the label of look I jumped through a hoop look look yeah look my thing I'm legitimized by this little a pixel accumulation. I'm, I'm legitimized by this little circle that I you, you technically just pay for. 
And yes, that you just you literally you just, just pay for the uh, EPS file, basically. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but you know, people are not jumping to remove it from their websites. Yeah. Um, I I would put an open call out there to anybody in Boston who is leading trainings. Um, we have a long enough yoga history in this town. Um, we could all get together and set our own standard. You mean a Massachusetts? Yeah, or even just it, even just Boston. And we we get together, we set a standard. No one has to pay, you know, anything. We need a like logo to make something seem that like whatever. Um, Plenty of other states, uh, like I'm not, I don't really don't want the state involved in licensing yoga teachers. I think that would be awful and disastrous, but like we could just set our own standard um, as a group of studios. Like if we could orient to what we were all doing in the training, see what the trainings have in common, agree that we're all doing way more than what that lowest common denominator is but say like okay these are the these are what we all agree to you know do in the context of our trainings um and i think that would be much more uh productive and if it was something that worked we don't go create a big like even state organization out of it um you say to folks in other big yoga markets. Like, here's what works for us. See if that works for you. Tweak it. Take it, take our work and do it in a way that makes sense for your community. Um, I think we just, it, you, you can't, at this point there's just you know, and, and people have been saying this for years, and I've known this for years. Um, but again, I had this sort of like magical thinking that someone was something was going to like magically shift it. But it, nothing's going to shift. <laughs> it, and if it shifts, it shifts towards regulation. Um, so uh, I think everyone just needs to think about what their own standards are and hold firm to those. And then, you know, if there can be an agreement on standards within the context of either a local situation or uh, within, cause this already happens with the, um, with, you know, not saying it's a perfect system because it's far from a perfect system, but this happens all the time with, uh, um, style specific trainings there's an agreement on what needs to be taught there's an agreement on the however many rungs of Iyengar uh, training that people need to go through there's a common assessment that everyone has to go through um, the form of everybody's quote unquote training is different depending on which teacher you learn from but they're all preparing you for the same assessment Again, not advocating for that in the broader yoga community. That works because the Iyengar community has a specific standard. Whether you agree with it or not, it has a set of standards. 
um, very specific, like oddly specific standards <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, and, you know, that uh, uh, is not a perfect system, but, you know, is just one example of, of something else. You know, the uh, we don't even really have time to get into the Ashtanga system of doing that because that's a whole other conversation that we can have or not have. Um, uh, but uh, I think there just has to be other smaller scale ways of doing this that still have the same result of self-regulation. Um, uh, um, and self-regulation that's recognized, like you can be a rolfer in the state of Massachusetts without having a massage license. The state recognizes what? that that's a legitimate form of body work at a, that has its own high standard and you can be a rolfer if you graduated from the institute in Boulder. Like those are, that they are exempt from, you know, I, there's a lot of crossover there, I think in terms of probably people who have both designations um, because some people probably, you know, had their massage license and then ended up going to study rolfing. Um, but it's, at least last time I checked, which was a couple of years ago, it's in there as not being included within the broader licensure of massage. Same with um, a bunch of other, there's like a bunch of other manual therapies that are listed um, in that specific law that are considered quote unquote like not massage um, uh, so that is a community that has their own standard of practice and it's a well established standard of practice with you know research done on it and everything you know like <laughs> um, uh, so you know there, there are other ways to there are other ways to manage this um, but I think the first one is just reflecting on like if you're a teacher who feels qualified and called to teach students how to teach yoga, how to share yoga, then you, we all have to have a conversation about, okay, well, what are our standards? If I really think about it, unless the like scope of teaching was super specific, like I don't really feel all that comfortable stepping into other people's trainings, unless it's like, Ryan, I would like you to share this, this, and this about restorative yoga. Or I would like to you to share this, this, and this about, you know, these topics, you know, that that's clear. Um, but, uh, I think, I think it just has to get a lot more. Um, I think everyone would benefit if the whole thing was smaller, not these like forty-person colossal trainings. Um, like, is there a way that we could turn it around so it that is no longer the cash cow, but like studying and practicing is the cash cow? the studios um i think there's a way to do it i think we, but it requires a complete reestablishing of the context 
And I, that I don't know how to do. It, it requires a different price structure for classes. Um... I think part of it is like in order for classes it's, it's beyond, to be it's accessible. Beyond, it's beyond price structure. Like price structure is a, is a, is a, obviously a part of running the business, but I'm talking about not the context of the business of a studio. I'm talking about the broader context of yoga. What practice. we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> a bigger deconstruction than just a pricing model. <laughs> I know, but it always, it always boils down to that. You know, so I think I go there first with interest of, well, then what does it cost to be able to participate in anything, you know? Yeah, but haven't we already crossed that boundary? In terms of excessive financial accessibility, yeah. yoga, I just yeah, like once we, once classes, you know, went north of twenty bucks for a drop in, which is still lower than it is in some areas. Yeah. Yeah, I just think we've already crossed that threshold. I don't know. I just I worry that with smaller means teachers paid less and the people who are invited are the people that you know can afford to be invited and and i'm not saying that we have inclusivity figured out by any stretch of the imagination that's just my primary anxiety when i imagine reimagining you know what i mean yeah but what the bigger it is the more like let's say all of the one room studios in boston disappeared so you're only left with multiple studios, with studios with multiple rooms, the independent ones plus the corporate model. Like, you have an inaccessibility of location already. Not just financial accessibility, but you got to get there, right? So wouldn't the accessibility be in some ways helped by, you know, a company having a couple of smaller studios that were scattered around the city versus, you know, these bigger and bigger and bigger studios at the city center or at multiple city centers, depending on how you, how you look at it. Um, which obviously like, you know, real estate might never support that. And like might, we might be on the point where that's, sustainable but i think there's a way in which uh small um supports the financial stability of the studio and the financial accessibility of the studio because i can do things like offer you know give people a break the studio is small enough that it's like okay yeah you're here all the time like let me let me like help help you out or figure out a way for you to be on work study for like those options go away quickly the bigger a studio gets and certainly within the context of corporate studios they, they just don't even don't even do that and just think about how much yoga you and i did got to do because we were sitting at the front desk or mopping the floors or whatever it was that we did. Um, 
so I think I think the I think before the business model is reimagined, I feel like the whole context of what we're doing has to be. I don't know if it's reimagined or like reverse engineered <laughs> oh. a little bit. Like we just need to like step the whole thing back, which doesn't mean that we can't don't, you know, we get rid of power yoga. It doesn't mean we get rid of, um, you know, heated yoga. It doesn't mean we, it doesn't, this is not some sort of like stylistic rant I'm going on. It's just that at some point someone has to, point the train away from vigorous sweaty <laughs> yoga not and towards yoga that actually supports long-term well-being without denigrating the fact that sweaty vigorous yoga might be an essential part of someone's path to living well. Because it was for everybody I know, especially the folks who are out there like ranting against it. <laughs> Sweaty, vigorous yoga was at some point a thing that like really worked for you and then it didn't. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> like you yeah. went and learned more things. And Sometimes people have to discover things on their own. I don't care how much you yell at them about the position of the knee or the, you know, the science behind this or the science behind that. Like, again, I use this analogy all the time. It's like your best friend telling you about this record that you really have to listen to because you're really going to love it. That is a surefire way for you never to listen to that record until three years later, you pick up the record and you're like, oh, wow, this is a really great record. And your friend is like, yeah, you idiot. <laughs> I told you about that years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was worried that my exhaustion was just going to lead to like complete and utter silence today, but it's going in a good direction. <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't know if it's just because of where my location is and the geography of my own life, but I find myself feeling more fiery and somehow less connected to, um, I don't know. I, I, I want to be fair because and, and have good perspective on this because I love teaching. I love that I get to teach. I enjoy where I teach. I have a lot of things that I'm very grateful for. Yeah. And there is a part of me, a very large part of me, that across the board in several areas is like just burn it to the ground. Okay. You know, like how we're thinking about teacher trainings and how we're thinking about class attendance and how we're thinking about teachers' careers and trajectories. And I don't know anymore what people are doing in classrooms, even when I'm in them. <laughs> Say more about that. <laughs> I, I, 
feel far away. I feel like we're getting collectively farther away from something that we, that make. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I don't, I, I also recognize that organisms have natural lifespans and natural movement patterns. And so if collectively we consciously or otherwise are moving in a direction that we don't like, there is a purpose and utility to it. One that I think will bring us collectively to a larger understanding of what we were doing in the first place. So the fact that um, more and louder vocal uh, uh, condemnations of sexual assault and assaults on uh, yoga students is coming forward. The fact that that is happening simultaneously as the perception that what's actually happening in the average yoga class is becoming watered down garbage drivel. Those two things are not accidentally occurring at the same time. So wouldn't as a swarm of fish noticing that it's swarming in a direction I have to hope that it's for the health of the community that these two seemingly bad things are happening because it will cause a restructuring and a reimagining. It just might also cause a forest fire in the process. Yeah. Do, does that make sense? Like yeah. we might self-destruct as a oh, community. I, I think, <laughs> I think self-destruction has, has already happened. Uh, and I think, um, uh, I think it's in terms of the broader industry. I think in terms of like individual relationships that are formed around the context of yoga. No, I don't think that those are going to self-destruct. Um, I think, you know, they might shift and evolve, but like the people that you feel connected to and who you feel connected to partially because of practice, like that's not going anywhere. Um, okay. I'll agree with that. And, you know, and, and that, you know, you even point in the direction of there's a resurgence of independent bookstores that are doing yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, and independent presses are doing better than they've ever done. You know, like there's, there's exciting things happen through the explosions as the small, I've been thinking about, have you heard of the term shyness of shyness? Um, no. So tree canopies communicate collectively with each other so that if you're in a forest floor and you look up, there is a buffer of space between trees that grow and they communicate how much space there will be to negotiate who and what gets light. Yeah. And, um, I just have been reflecting a little bit on that idea, but also on the idea of this collective um, failure and collective triumph that uh, we apply to individuals that is actually something that is happening in unison, which... Wait, say more about that. When somebody... So let me let me find the quote that I'm referencing because it it is sort of the origin of this thing I've been thinking about. <laughs> um, while you find that quote, have a delicious long pause while I go and turn on the lights because it's becoming like pitch black in here. So, <laughs> be right back.
and we're back. Are you back? Oh yeah, I am. <sighs> I'm doing my damn homework. Okay. So here's the quote. It's uh, from Thomas Martin, No Man is an Island. Mm -hmm. Only when we see ourselves in our true human context as members of a race which is intended to be one organism and one body, will we begin to understand the positive importance not only of the successes but of the failures and accidents in our lives. My successes are not my own. The way to them was prepared by others. The fruit of my labors is not my own, for I am preparing the way for the achievements of another. Nor are my failures my own. They may spring from failure of another, but they are also compensated for by another's achievement. Therefore, the meaning of my life is not to be looked for merely in the sum total of my own achievements. It is seen only in the complete integration of my achievements and failures with the achievements and failures of my own generation and society and time. Yes, ma'am. Which... Is problematic and delicious all at once. Yes, indeed. And the more I think of it, and then when I think of the shyness of the trees, and I think of the way a school of fish moves together or a swarm of bees, how can we not see the unspoken language that happens collectively as a community making mistakes and triumphing and learning yeah. together? I would just question how much... Togetherness in the sense of that quote, sure, but not really togetherness in the sense of community. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a togetherness that happens involuntarily. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, precisely. I'm referring to like the deeply visceral animal yes. togetherness that happens just because you were fucking born. Yes. <laughs> That's the the collective animus I'm sort of referring to. I don't know. And then I think, is it okay to eat 14 ounces of cauliflowered rice a night? <laughs> you thought I was going to say something smart. Yes. <laughs> no. No, but I got to tell you, this line of thinking for me is a way to feel less acutely about, and, and I don't know that that's a good thing, but it's a way for, for me to feel less uh, anger about the speed at which things happen or the speed at which others process information. You know, I feel like a softness about, and a connectedness. Yeah. When I when I read those types of sentiments, I don't know that it helps me with forgiveness. Well, that's but, a uh, whole other. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
It's related to Yoga Alliance, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know. I don't think. I don't think the vitriol with which Yoga Alliance as uh, well, I, let me say it this way. You can speak with vitriol about the organization of Yoga Alliance, like the entity that exists, but like I've only had positive, well, in in the modern, in more modern incarnation of Yoga Wars, with the human beings who actually work there, I've only had positive interaction um so like i i always keep that in mind that like as much as i'm like you know what um this is not what i want to advocate for in any way shape or form um i also be like yeah but you know this is a group of humans who in some way shape or form believe that what they're doing is for the benefit um of the yoga industry i'd be careful about saying community there um and so they are doing what they want to advocate for um, in the context of this organization, which, you know, may be providing a momentum to what they're advocating for that can't exactly be reversed, you know, but they're caught up in the stream of that. And I think we all know how, what it feels like to be caught up in the stream with a particular organization that's just kind of moving in a direction and... Maybe it's not doing anything egregious, but certainly there's aspects of it that are not ideal and not feeling like we have the power to turn it in the other direction um, and not having the financial stability to feel like that, uh, a, you know, an infraction is, or a, direction is something that we want to like die on a sword for hmm. i um just want to recapitulate the call to action for boston area yoga studio owners do you want to go beyond boston a little bit with the call yeah, to sure. action anybody who who would who who's in the general vicinity that you would consider you know part of the boston area i feel like sometimes people consider the boston area smaller but like i grew up in cleveland like the cleveland area metropolitan area is like humongous so like there are towns that i've never even been to that are considered part of the, the cleveland area um, so I, I use the term Boston area very broadly, let's say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's cool. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not to say, like, there's a difference between saying, like, we're going to form an, an opposing organization as opposed to, like, well, what, what are my standards what are your standards what do you feel is valuable what do i feel is valuable what are best practices that you observe in the context of training 
teachers in this culture. Um, and just have like a simple orientation to what we're what we're doing and maybe there's a agreement that can happen there but maybe there isn't maybe it really does need to go back to a little bit of the wild west um um because it's already there let's not yeah let's like it's already pretending there. like it's not it, it's it is the wild. like people can do whatever they want is you know they put down their thing in the yoga alliance spreadsheet or whatever it is that you enter it into and then they go do whatever the hell they want they could... <laughs> Like, yeah, but I mean, like your massage school, is somebody popping in the door to make sure they're doing what they say they're doing? Well, I mean, the person who runs the school is also the chair of the board of licensure. So, Ugh, well, that's not <laughs> <an> example. <laughs> so, <then. laughs> so it's it's not a great example because he, you know, ethically has to, you know, even if he wasn't in that position, you know, would ethically have to follow it. But, um, you know. Uh, no no profession is perfect in the way that their laws and their you know licensure and everything is is organized and we're not going to come up we're not going to crack the code for some like perfect way to do this by any means but we can certainly find a a better way than this and because of the you know the level of of um and of how to say hatred of that organization that's been around for so long um the hatred has been around for so long like i don't think anybody walked out of that initial ad hoc meeting satisfied with what what was presented as the 200 hour standard um uh, but it was a starting point. The problem is it just evolved in a really questionable way or didn't evolve as it needed to, depending on how you want to look at the conversation. Um, uh, so, you know, there has to be a way to do better, but it can't be this like wait for some magical organization to be formed on high and then they put out these standards that we all then agree to and adhere to. No, it has to be, ha there, there has to be a way to do it from the ground up. Um, and if that results in different organ, multiple organizations and different sets of standards that people voluntarily choose to, you know, um, go with, even if that, you know, as much as I think this would be awful, even if it went to state regulation, we'd figure it the fuck out. We'd figure it out. Mm -hmm. It would be rough. <laughs> it, it would. It would. It would. It would um, fundamentally change the relationship between student and teacher, and certainly student and studio, because there would be a lot of, you know. Um, but we'd figure it out. Yeah, you I agree. You and I are still going to be, you know, in some basement somewhere 
telling people to inhale, take their arms up and exhale forward fold. Like we're, <laughs> I'm really not worried about that. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, that makes me happy. See, I turned it around, Kate. <laughs> you did. I made it, I made it something quasi positive. <laughs> So uh, I am, I'm going to call it because I don't want anything other than that call to action to be left ringing in the ears of especially local listeners and non-local listeners in your own community. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But not with us. Do it in your own community. (laughs) And then we'll share. Go small. Yeah, then we'll then Bye. we'll share best practices. We'll share. Um, uh, yeah, so um, this has been unrolled uh, again. I, I will make our call to action between Kate and I to record more frequently. <laughs> but thank you for our pa- your patience. Yes, I mean been this has been wonderfully like wonderfully pa- patient. It's been a robust year for both of us, and yes. I'm just psyched we're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it was there was a moment of relief when you popped on the video. I was like, "Oh, she's still there." <laughs> Thank God. No, it's true. <laughs> Thank God. That one's still around. <laughs> um, um so follow us on Facebook. We don't post anything. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> But don't we you, might. Don't you worry. But you know, the the one day a year that we post something, you're gonna be really happy. <laughs> That's usually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, and our email. What is what is our email? Unrollpodcast at, at gmail.com, which is an email that I haven't actually checked in a good long while, so I should probably <laughs> probably get in look there. in on that. Um. So uh, yeah, wonderful. Um, thanks for listening thank you bye godspeed bye (laughs) we're getting sloppy Kate